Welcome to Music Raygun. I'm Paul Champanelli. I am Kirk Pinchon. This is the show where we pick a musical topic and we watch a bunch of YouTube clips about that topic. And if you go to musicraygun.com slash playlists, you'll find a playlist of all the clips so you can see everything we're talking about, right? Very right. And if you're a regular listener to Music Raygun, please give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever podcast app you prefer. More reviews for the show helps more people find the show, and that would make me and Kirk very happy. Yeah, come on, do it. Yeah. Just do it. Well, do it if you're going to give us a good review. Yeah. Don't give us a fucking one-star review and just destroy our rating. <laughs> yeah. Don't just write, meh. Yeah. If you don't like the show, that's okay. That's fine. Just stop listening and move on with your life. <laughs> yes. Don't comment. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. We need good reviews. Five-star ratings, Yes, please. that would be great. Please. Or don't bother. Yeah. Or be quiet. <laughs> uh, uh, I've got an announcement. In the last show, on the punk episode, I mentioned we were finally on TuneIn. Yep. And that as far as I knew, we I'd covered all the distribution methods mm-hmm. for podcasts. There was one big one that we're starting to get on now. Which is? YouTube. Hey! I started uploading the episodes to our YouTube channel. I know a lot of people like to listen to music and other, and other yeah, things and on YouTube. It's easier. So if you go to the Music Reg on YouTube channel, you can now listen to episodes of the show on YouTube. See what we do for you guys? Yeah. That's Although great. Although right now there's only three. It takes a long time to make the videos and upload yeah. them. And it's, I'm, we're yeah. DIY here. We don't have interns to no. do it. So I'm doing them when I can. Yeah, exactly. Uh, eventually they'll all go up there. But go and subscribe to our YouTube channel. The link is uh, on our website, musicraygun.com. So enjoy that. And uh, I'm going to take this moment to say that Paul has an awesome shirt on right now that I keep – I'm literally staring at for the past like two yeah. minutes. That says Andy Warhol's bad. Mm-hmm. It sort of great. applies to a video we'll see later. Oh. Did you wear that on purpose today then? No. I didn't oh. plan it. Maybe subconsciously. Okay. But I'll talk about that when we get okay. to it. The shirt's awesome. Uh, we always do corrections and clarifications. Yes. Because <laughs> I, I always fuck up. <laughs> uh, and you never do. I'm, I'm or else per- no one calls you on it. I'm perfect. You're not as uh, self-corrective as I am. No. I just assume I'm right and I yeah. move on with my life. On the punk episode, we were watching the uh, clip from The Punk Singer, which is the documentary about Kathleen Hanna. Yes. And there was this one rock critic who we both recognized and neither of us could remember her name. Yes. But she's great, so I wanted to mention her. It's Anne Powers. I think you said Anne I said Anne, but I couldn't come up with her last name. I mean, she's written for the New York Times, the LA Times, the Village Voice. She's been around for 30 years. Mm. I remember seeing her. I don't remember specifics, but I feel like she'd be on like any MTV... Like or VH1 top 100 list or any sort of music related docu series. She yeah. always yeah. Be she like looked an like she was like an authority figure on right. That. Yeah. So it, you know, as soon as I saw her in the punk singer, I was like, I just felt this weird like comfort. Like, oh, I know this person yeah, like, from I'm so gonna, many. I'm going to be taken care of. Yes, yeah. yes. Um, so she's great, and I didn't want to miss the chance to say her name and uh, encourage people to look her up. Great. That's it. For right, corrections and clarifications. Yeah. Let's get to the show, Kirk. Uh, we've done a grab bag episode in the past. Yes. Where we said the theme was no theme. Yes. It was just kind of random videos that didn't fit any theme that yeah. we wanted to show. We're doing another sort of assortment show this time, but it's sort of the opposite. Because instead of no theme, it's all the themes. Yeah, all the themes. Music, Raygun, B-sides. Yes. Which means we're going back to... 
all the themes we've done in the first 15 episodes of the show, mm-hmm. and you and I each picked another video from a past theme where it didn't quite make the cut for whatever reason the yep. first time around, but we want to revisit it. Yes. This is very so, exciting. So it's B-Sides. Yeah, B-Sides. Yeah. It's a good way to coin it. It's not our greatest hits. Nope. Although we could do that in the future, too. <laughs> we, okay, when we no, get lazy, I'll just cut together a bunch of clips, <laughs> and we'll have our greatest hits episode. It doesn't episode. even have to make sense. This it's is our B-Sides compilation. Odds yeah. and sods. Odds and sods. So, uh, let's get right into it. The first clip is yours. This is uh, the theme from our second episode. Yeah, Grab mm-hmm. Bag. Hmm? Is there a second? What was our second episode? I assume this is the second episode, which is music videos from 1981 to 1983. It's, oh, it's incorporating both then. Okay. Because this, I want grab to bag doing grab bag sort of a cheat. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then I'll say it's from yeah, it's from 81 to 83. Yeah, I hope that was what. Otherwise, yeah. It, yeah. No, it's in, it's from 1983, but it also fits another one. It fits the grab bag, and that's why I'll explain. Because okay. and I just discovered this information like a week ago when I watched this video. Okay. When you sent me this one. You specified there's like a big twist or a surprise here. So yes. you said, don't watch the video yes. until we do the show. So yes. I'm going in blind. Yeah, it's a weird video too. Okay. It's OXO Whirly Girl. Yeah. OXO is a band from the early 80s. Mm-hmm. They had this hit called Whirly Girl. I remember it as the video. I don't remember it on the radio. But it's also that theme that I always have of like, did I make this song up? Mm-hmm. Or did it actually exist <laughs> in reality? And it turns out it did. So this is, and it's very 80s pop. I'll say two things. First, in the interest of full disclosure, I told you before we started recording, I think when we worked together, you showed me this video. Yes. But I don't remember you dropping any bomb about like... Because I didn't know it at the time. Oh. (laughs) I just found it out. Okay. Yes. The other thing is, just looking at the thumbnail, I don't recognize it from having seen it as a kid ever. It's not a big song, although apparently doing research, it's a top 40 hit. Okay. But yeah. Well, let's watch it. Let's watch it. Whirly Girl by OXO. Very 80s pop. (laughs) So, OXO's a band that's performing at a carnival, which is really looks like a soundstage, and they made this video for a buck 95. I think I might already know it. If you know it just by looking at it, or do you think you... Is that guy Ishla Desma? It is! Okay. Uh, I can't believe you got that! I, yes. Well, it's only been... It's not been that long yeah. since we did our grab bag yeah. episode. That's him. That's his new band after Foxy. Okay, just in case the listener hasn't listened to past episodes yeah. or doesn't remember, Ishla Desma was one of the two frontmen from Foxy that coked out disco, disco band. funk band. Yes. Yeah, I recognized his face right away. Yeah, yeah. So all this time you've loved the Foxy video and this video. Yep. And never and you knew. didn't make the connection. Never. Never. <laughs> Kirk, I swear to God I didn't watch this before we That's started. That's the greatest ever. Oh, I'm so happy. Yeah. This is Did issues. you do any research about this band? Not really. I just I saw the video and I did what you did. I went, Who's that dude <laughs> that that's guy, the lead yeah. singer? And I was like, Oh my god. This is a little bit different from Foxy. Yes. Yeah. But could be still coked up, but it is very bubblegum poppy eighties. The guys all have mullet hairdos. Yeah. Um, it's very I don't know It kind of reminds me of Not the music But it sort of reminds me Of the tubes Yes Very or, much Or even um, 
scandal with Patty's lights yep, that yep. Uh, that looked at that little bit of like the cars look in the early yeah. 80s like maybe Ishla Death was guy, just a guy who tries to get in with like whatever the trendy thing I is I really <laughs> feel that that's what it is I feel like he's like hey I'm gonna do this disco thing yeah. disco's dead well let me get early 80s pop new wavy um I and, like this actually oh it's, it's a good song a good it's a good poppy song but like I remember this song seeing it on video and then I, when I watched it a couple weeks ago, I was like, is that Ish? And so then I went online and did some uh, digging. I was like, oh, my God, that's his second band. Yeah. Which is, I was like, it makes me love him even more. He looks literally and figuratively much, much less sweaty. In <laughs> yes. Maybe he stopped the coke. He almost seems clean cut. Yeah. It is a little more clean cut. Yeah, you would let you would let this guy take your daughter on a date. Yeah, you would not let no Foxy Ishla Desma. Foxy Ish would not be in my home. Right, right, right. Um, the only thing I know of this is I'm almost. I think I remember reading the dancer, the woman that everyone's in love with, is yeah. Ish's wife. Oh, okay. Yeah. I gotta find out more about this guy. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's just fascinating. Yeah. I, I just, it blows my mind. But yeah, this is like a quintessential 80s video. Spinning col- uh, cameras. Yeah, it's just like, like some director's like, I don't know, it's the state fair and you yeah. guys just have fun. Yeah, I think he was, I think he was like, Whirly, that's like a amusement park ride sound. Okay, yeah, so we're in an amusement park. You know, he's just wearing that like straw hat, and he's yeah. got like a cane and a yes. snazzy jacket. It's very snazzy. Yes, snazzy is the perfect yes. word. For it's it. snazzy-ish instead yeah, yeah, yeah. of foxy coke-ish. Snazzy makes me think of like when I have to wear a jacket to church on Easter Sunday, Go look and snazzy, like my mom, my mom would be like, "You look snazzy." Yeah. That's what Ishla Desma yes. is in this video. He's like a snazzy little boy. He's a snazzy-ish, super uncool. This yeah. is. Foxy was cool. Foxy it was, was cool. A little di- like icky, a little naughty and dirty and wrong. Cool. Yeah, it was yeah. super naughty and yeah. wrong, but cool. Yeah, for what it was, this is incredibly square. Yes, exactly. It's in- it's, it's which is really- why it's fascinating that it's the same guy. Yeah, it's the same dude. It, it makes sense that someone would go on and have another band. Nothing weird about that. But this is so different yeah. from Foxy. Yeah, it's unbelievable. That's amazing. Yeah, unbelievable that that happened. I was so happy. And that was a good song too. Yeah, happy song. Okay, the next clip is also yours. Mm-hmm. Uh, the theme is from our third episode where we did commercials. Yes. Uh, introduce what? What is this? This is a actual commercial mm-hmm. for Michelob beer in 1986 mm-hmm. using a Genesis song, and Genesis is in the commercial. Cool. Um, this is uh, the. Phil Collins Genesis. This is the Phil Collins, you know, the Peter, better. P- Peter Gabriel never did. No. <laughs> the pr- the prog version of Genesis no. never did a beer commercial. This is the better Genesis, Paul. That, th- this is so the difference between you and me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like, I like, I like Phil Collins Genesis. I don't, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not in love with either version of Genesis, yeah. but I like some of the hits. I Whatever. like, I like early Phil Collins Genesis. Yeah. And this is, this is at their height. This is the Invisible Touch album where mm-hmm. they just broke through. Um, and to me, I, I do want to say I'm already a little um, aggro about it because I don't know if I mentioned this before. Remember when we looked at clips of night music in the mm-hmm. past? Yeah, and I said it was like my parents' favorite show. Mm-hmm. It was called Michelob Presents Night Music, really, and it got canceled when Michelob pulled its sponsorship. 
And for the last almost 30 years, my father has boycotted Michelob because of it. Wow. And I've taken that on. That's so Because I'm a good funny. son. You're a good guy. I've good. never had a drop of Michelob in my life, and I never fucking will. That's... Unless they put Night Music <laughs> back on the air sponsored by Michelob. So they make things right. All just in my father's name. Good for you, though. Yeah, yeah. That's good for you. So um, I don't support this as a commercial, but I will look okay. at it as an artifact. Let's look at it as an artifact, yeah. then. It's very fast, and you'll recognize the song because it's, it's it's a hit song for them. Oh, so they used a pre-existing Yeah, song. they didn't write a jingle or sing a jingle. They're just like, we're going to use our song in this Michelob commercial and just be in it. So far, I don't recognize the song. Good, that's the hook. Tonight, tonight. Vaguely. This familiar. was like their second or third bit of kickoff Invisible Touch. Yeah. Because they had Invisible Touch and throwing it all away. And then this was their big one. Pre-Land of Confusion was like 88. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's the one I always think of. Oh, that okay. video will have to find a way to visit it yeah, sometimes. Yeah, that's crazy. Because, yeah. yeah. But I like this too because this is like, I was 16 I was like, oh, Michelob's cool. <laughs> Michelob's fucking <laughs> really cool. Yeah, Genesis is so cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And the video is very 80s and cool looking, which yeah. I liked. Yeah. Um, but it was. I love that. The but Night it, Belongs to Mick. The Night Belongs Oh, is that Mick. why they sponsored Night Music? I just From, got that. Yeah. Yeah. I just got that. So it's uh, and and Michelob was that beer that I would you know sneak from my parents and uh, drink. Yeah. And then later on in uh, college, they came out with Michelob Dry. Which I was like, that's the fucking classy beer. So if I, <laughs> if I was going on a date, I would buy Michelob Dry, yeah. even though it was more expensive and I couldn't afford it. Just because yeah. I was like, I'm cool. I drink Michelob Dry. Those were the years of dry beer. When dry was cool. Yeah. But yeah, I just love that Genesis was like, it yeah, was we're cool. going to... I consciously say I don't like Phil Collins, but when I hear Genesis music, it makes me very nostalgic for my oh, childhood. yeah. Real a lot, yeah. yeah, yeah. I feel very like just seeing that. And I'm like, I remember seeing that commercial, watching TV. Yeah, because Phil Collins and Genesis' music, I mean, his solo stuff and the band stuff were so everywhere. Yes, that even as a very, very young child, it was inescapable. Yeah, so, you couldn't avoid it. Yeah, you couldn't avoid it. And I was, uh, I wasn't like a huge fan, but I liked. I saw them in concert. Yeah. Uh, the big thing that I liked most about them was that. Because, you know, Phil was the drummer, and then he moved to the lady, to a lead singer. Right. And on concert, uh, the drummer was Tony Thompson. And Tony yeah. Thompson was the drummer of Chic, the, oh. the disco band Chic. I never knew that. So I was like, oh, that makes him cool. Yeah. So, yeah. But, and, and, <laughs> and Paul Michelob's a fine beer. I don't care what you say. I cannot speak to the quality of the beer itself. I can only speak to the integrity <laughs> of the company. Which is garbage. Which is lacking. <laughs> Paul puts his foot down. <laughs> well, Tony Campanelli put his foot down. <laughs> and right? you followed too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just funny to me to yeah. carry on a boycott. For <laughs> yes. That it's just too because Mikkel's not even that big anymore, but <laughs> you still, still hold it, Paul. That's still right. hold it. I'm not going to buy nope, it. Nope. Don't let go. Uh, the next clip I chose from the same theme. This is another commercial. And this one is a real quintessential B-side because... I was so close to including it in our third episode. And as soon as we were done recording, I was like, why did I cut that one? It was probably my favorite one. I think for some reason I thought maybe the the story behind it wasn't interesting enough to talk about. And so I just chose to cut it. Mm -hmm. Also, again, to bring my father into this, he introduced me to the clip when we were planning the commercials episode. And he was disappointed that I didn't end up including (laughs) it. You let him down. That's not the only reason I'm including it. I really love it. Yeah. 
I uh, think I've seen this before, just in random like retro commercial. Yeah. yeah, this is a, co- a commercial from 1969 for a Pontiac car called the Judge, and the commercial, like the car, is called the Judge, and it has like a decal on it, which says yeah. the Judge in like oh 60s God. graphic design. And the commercial features the '60s garage rock band Paul Revere and the Raiders. I remember hearing, which about is them. a favorite of my dad's. What was their big song again? Uh, I don't know. Was it "Hang On, Sloopy"? No, that's that's not them. Okay, um, but they're sort of that like the Kinks, I've the Dave Clark yeah, Five, yeah. also favorites of my dad's. Oh, okay, this unlike the Michelob commercial, they wrote a song for. This ad. Oh, so they wrote the jingle. Yes. Okay. And I found out because I did a little research. They released like an EP, which included this song and four other songs about like Pontiac cars or maybe the judge specifically. And it was only released like two of the songs were released for, I guess, I don't know, radio play or something. Mm -hmm. And the other three were only allowed to be played in Pontiac dealerships. Wow. So it's like this really rare record that you can get. But this song is included on a lot of compilations of theirs. Okay. It's called Breakaway. It's called like Pontiac GTO, The Judge Breakaway. Breakaway. And it's really catchy. So it has a... Paul Revere and the Raiders, if people don't know, their gimmick was they dressed like American Revolutionary War (laughs) guys with like the tricorn hats and the outfits, which is real goofy, but... They're cool. This call has been called in session to pass judgment on a special car from Pontiac. They are American, by the way. (laughs) So that British accent is a put on. You can kind of tell. But they, you know, are like doing that British invasion sound, so it's fine. So I'll start again from the beginning because I just want to hear that again. (laughs) Just hear that ridiculous accent. This call has been called in session to pass judgment on a special car from Pontiac. All eyes for the judge. (laughs) Oh my god, I want that car. This is so 60s. I mean, that's a muscle car, right? Yeah. The judge will rule. The judge will rule. The judge will rule. I mean, it's amazing that they wrote this specifically. Yeah, because that doesn't happen anymore. No, not at all. I <laughs> love that. But there's like a three-minute version of the song, and it totally works on its own merits as a single. Like, It sounds uh, yeah. super catchy. And here's the thing, Kirk. I am not a car guy. No, me, nor am I. I don't care about cars. Yep. I don't know anything about cars. This commercial is so made for me in that, like, I want this car. <laughs> exactly. I don't give a fuck about muscle cars. Yeah. And I'm like, shit. It looks, it's called The Judge. Yeah. It's this orange color. It's got that, set that the judge on the side. everything. Yeah. And it's yeah. got this cool Paul Revere and the Raiders song to go with it. Like, yeah. If I were a kid in 1969, I would get a summer job to save yeah. up to buy a judge. Yep. I would do and that. And it's probably a shitty car. Yeah. It's <laughs> shitty mileage and breaks down, but you're like, I don't fucking yeah. care. I got and the then, judge. But it's got 
all the things they were singing about, about <laughs> the horsepower and the spoiler on the back. Yeah, the I spoiler is like fucking great. This commercial makes me feel like Ralphie in A Christmas Story, how he wants that beam gun. Just right, like the, the judge, it has a spoiler yeah. on the back and it says the judge. That's all I need to know. It's good advertising. It is great advertising. Okay, yeah. this is, I'm ashamed of us. Yeah. Uh, Paul Revere and the Raiders uh, sang Louie Louie. Well, that not the version you know. Like, we don't know. Oh. The Kingsmen did the famous version. What did version. they do? Every garage band did a oh. version of Louie Louie. Then I don't even know. I'm scrolling through. I don't know any of their songs. Nope. I mean, I, I would know them to hear them because I grew up listening to them in the house. Okay. But I can't think of anybody. I, I, I mean, I'm... You had to ask. Now my dad knows I yes. can't name a yes. Paul Revere. I feel yeah. like your dad or your uncle is going to email you and be like, hey, um, here's what they did, dude. <laughs> I don't think my uncle would care about Paul Revere and the Raiders, but he did do that to me where he was like, hey, you forgot this <laughs> from a previous episode, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, it's your turn. Yes. And I didn't watch this yet, but I saw what it was called. When you sent it to me, yeah. and I'm very curious to watch it. This is for the um, Billy Joel episode we did, mm-hmm. episode four. Yep, uh, and Billy Joel had a, a song off an album called "The Bridge," which I believe was like '86, '87. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was that album was right after "Innocent Man," which is like "Tell Her About It," "Uptown." So that thing was huge. Mm-hmm. And then he had his greatest hits albums, which was huge. And then he's like, "I can do anything I want. I'm going to do this album called The Bridge." Yeah, which. Is a soft spot for me because it's of the time of me being 16, 17. Sure. But it's a mishmash of an album. And he has this song on it called Big Man on Mulberry Street. The The title sounds familiar to me. Yeah. It's a very big band jazz number. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where you can tell Billy Joel's like, I'm going to do this big band jazz song because I can do the Because the record company is just like carte blanche for you, Billy yeah, Joel. Yeah. You, whatever you want, yeah, Mr. Yeah. Joel. This is my self-indulgence yes. album. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's exactly right. Because yeah. I can do what I want. Um, and... There was no video for this. It wasn't even released as a single, Mm -hmm. but it was in an episode of Moonlighting. Yes. This video is titled on YouTube, Bruce Willis in Moonlighting, Big Man on Mulberry Street, Maddie's Dream. Yeah. So 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 it's a dream sequence. It's a dream sequence, but it looks like a music video because it's a big dance number. I will also say for context, I know about Moonlighting, but I've never seen it. Oh, we'll get into Moonlighting. So I know that there... Are there detectives? They are detectives. They're partners, and then it was that will they, won't they? Yes, thing. that's basically the sum of it. That and it ruined the show when they finally did get together because yes. that always happens it, when the yep. will they, won't they couple finally gets together. Yep. Never get them together. Don't do it, guys. But do you know if this if this takes place before or after they before? Okay, yeah. Um, so it's before they hooked up on the show. Yes. In the in the macro, do Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepherd hate each other already? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yes. Uh, well, I'll just I'll just, just play, play it. it. Yeah. She's about to have. A, she's in bed. She's having a dream. Mm-hmm. The soft white lighting, which apparently was required for her on any close up. So now it's just a big stage dance number with a bunch of dancers in the bar. Oh, Bruce like Willis is very formalistic. Yes, and it's. It just fascinates me that they got this song and they're like, we're going to do it. We're just going to do a big dance number. And Moonlighting was like that. Moonlighting did a lot of like animated things. What season was this? Uh, No, I said fantasy sequences. They did fantasy sequences. They did breaking the fourth wall. Uh They talked to the camera. They did one episode, which was just to take on Taming of the Shrew. And so they just (laughs) did that. So it was very innovative. And the writing was really sharp and crisp. 
They I've always great. had a sense that like I would love that show. You would love this show. Um, You're just a, it was it was before your time. It happened when and I was. It's like, not streaming, and it's I don't know if they ever put it out on DVD or what. Here's the thing: Moonlighting, the first two seasons, you're like, this show is fucking great, right? Because. Sybil, Sybil Shepherd's great. No one knew who Bruce Willis was. Mm-hmm. He was a guy that had a, a one commercial and was on an episode of Miami Vice. Yeah. And they cast him in this, and everyone loved him because he was funny. Well, he's charming. the most charming dude in the world. Yeah, yeah, he is. And this is he's better now. He's better then than he is now. Yeah, now he's too much of like an action hero. But yeah. this is like when he still he was. This is, this is pre Die Hard. Yeah. I just want to say, even just from the first few seconds we've watched of this dance sequence, I am so on board with this. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's great. And so, yeah, it's great dancing. And I can't remember the context of why she's having a dream other than that she's really into him now, but it's a will they, won't they. But it's really an excuse just to have this musical number in the show. Yeah. There's nothing for it. There's no other reason. And so they actually even dance a little bit in it. Um, that's not Civil Shepherd dance, no. Um, but... Um, I want to know who she is, though. Oh, she's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, by by the end of Moonlighting, I think it lasted like four, maybe five seasons. Mm-hmm. Bruce and Sybil weren't even on the show. Yeah, that's right. They got replaced by... They didn't get replaced. They just weren't on the show. They, they got the supporting actors to do episodes. Okay. So, like, uh, Curtis Armstrong, who was in The Revenge of the Nerds, he was right. Yeah. They would just do storylines of him and the secretary because they couldn't get Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard onto the set. Not to get too far off track, yeah. but you reminded me of something. Curtis Armstrong, I wish I'd remembered to mention this in our Harry Nilsson episode. <laughs> he he is like the world's foremost expert on Harry Nilsson. Really? He wrote all the liner notes for the re like the remastered releases of Harry Nilsson albums. Curtis Armstrong is the Harry Nilsson guy. Booger. Booger. Yeah. I love it because we're getting a lot of threads that are coming yeah. together. I mean, hey, even the Paul Revere thing connected to Foxy. Because yeah. remember the other guy who wasn't Ishla Demza went on to sing for Paul, Paul Revere. Oh, my God. We didn't even plan this. This is the most inceptive music <laughs> I've ever. This is great. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because, like, we've been watching it for a couple minutes. Yeah. Civil Shepherd hasn't shown up in the video, in the in the dance sequence. Does she eventually? She will eventually. Okay. And they're barely doing any Bruce. I'm kind of more into this redhead anyway. Oh, yeah. She's wonderful. And so they get Bruce in. Bruce is not a bad dancer. This, is this what inspired him to make Hudson Hawk with that? <laughs> Hudson this, Hawk. This is giving me because remember he's like he's a cat burglar yes, and he's he always sings, singing. Would yeah. you like to swing on a star? Yes. He's doing his, he was always into that. He had his own band. And, oh yeah, his album Return yeah. of the Bruno. Oh, it's so bad. Yeah, it's so bad. <laughs> so but this this kind of has that flavor too. Yes. Yeah. Yes, particularly because of the song. Right. And it also makes me laugh, too, because this was a Billy Joel song on a Billy Joel pop album. Yeah. And you're just like, it is, like you said, it's like carte blanche, do what you want. But it's perfect for this. Yeah, it's per- almost like it's made for this, but they used it, uh, but it's from the album. Now, for me, because of this musical number sequence alone... Because I like the song. Yeah. And then when I saw this on Moonlighting, I was like, oh, I love this. 
I did a dance piece in college to this song. I think that's why the title rang a bell. Yeah. Because the song's not ringing a bell. Yeah. But you've told me that before. Yeah, that you I danced did to this, this song. I danced to this song yeah. with two girls. Yeah. And it was one of those things where I was like, I had them choreographed because I wasn't good enough. But they were happy because <laughs> like, they were part of the dance department. I was right. like, hey, you want to be in a dance with me? Wait, so you didn't recreate this? I did, took pieces from it. Okay. Um, I took pieces from it, and then the girls like did everything else. Like, I, I, I didn't do that because I'm better than that. Um, <laughs> well, he's Bruce Willis. He's Bruce Willis, Willis but he's not bad, and he's much more charming than me. This is great. I mean, this is... Yeah. Yeah. And you can tell, too, because Sybil will come in much later, and you know it's because she can't really dance. Right, right, right. Um, but my, I wore this outfit, the white shirt and the black pants. Sure you did. Of course I did, in homage to Bruce Willis. And then I had the girls. One girl wore all black. One girl wore all white. Of course. You see the dichotomy? Yeah. yeah. You're got, an artist, Kurt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah I, got, I got an A. I got an A in the project. Ooh. Yeah, see, it changes up. Now this is like the sequence in Singing in the Rain where yeah. the Sid Charisse thing yeah. where it becomes even more fantastical. It's an homage. And so Bruce Willis is getting married to this dancer, yeah. which doesn't make any sense because this is a dream that... That, that Maddie's in love that with him? Maddie's that's the point him. of it? Yes, so but far, that's the not whole Maddie. story of the dance sequence is he was a bartender at a bar, she walks into the bar, they start dancing and falling in love. Yes, but not Maddie. Right. It's just, a dancer. Just a uh, random sexy redhead. Yes. So why is Maddie having a dream about... It doesn't matter. <laughs> just so they could do this. Because exactly. it's a framing device and don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> and that's not even Bruce Willis anymore. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They just I didn't go. notice because I wasn't looking at the dude. <laughs> you were looking in the right place. Yeah. Also, and if you think about it, this is a long musical number... And yeah, this is over six minutes in a TV show. I'm assuming Moonlighting was a it 44 was minutes, yeah. not a 22 yeah. minutes. Yeah. Okay. I mean, still though, it's the long. They would never. Well, I feel like maybe like Twin Peaks would yeah. try to hold your attention for that yeah. long or something. It's, yeah, but Twin Peaks would do it to be weird. They're just right. doing it like, look at us do this cool dance number. This is now weird though. There are uh, seven like, Bruce Willis's. Yes. This dance is getting a lot of screen time. So now she met this other dude and Bruce is jealous, but Maddie is still nowhere to be found. Yes, and now and I guess she, she's she's left him for the other dude. Yes. And now Maddie's gonna be like, yes. I'm still here. I'm still here. What was Bruce's name? David? David Addison. Right. And Maddie something something. Basically she was a model who owned a bunch of businesses. There's Maddie. Ooh. She looks good, but she's no dancer. But you know, she uh Acquits herself well anyway. Yeah, she got it. Yeah. But it was, I mean, at the time, they were like the hot couple of the 80s of like TV characters. Yeah. And everyone's like, oh, they're so awesome. Even though they actually hated they each other. They hated each other. I still think they don't like each other either. Maybe, that, maybe that's what the spark is. Yeah. You know what just, I mean? Yeah. I wrote uh, uh, a listicle for the place we used to work together mm-hmm. of on-screen couples who really hated each other in real yeah. life. And I don't remember if I included them. I would have, but I think I just did movies. Oh, okay. But my favorite one was Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey. Couldn't stand each other. Could not stand each other. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was unbelievably cool. I <laughs> yeah, love that. so weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it was that weird. It was more charming than weird. It was charming. It's just weird that they could do that. Yeah. That they could do that in a, sh- in a prime time... Tuesday night 
9 p.m. TV show. Yeah, because it is a little artistic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you could do it today, but I can see how in the 80s it was a little, it was innovative. Yes, yeah, yeah it was never done before, yeah. Okay, we're going to revisit episode five, which is the Rebel Girls episode, just badass women. Yeah. We're going to watch a clip that I've shown you before. Mm-hmm. Again, when we used to work together, yes. we would just show each other videos. Yes. The, the germ of this whole show. Yes, exactly. Um, this is what goes along with my t-shirt. I'm wearing a black t-shirt that has the logo for Andy Warhol's Bad, mm-hmm. which is a movie he made. And uh, there's uh, photographs of Debbie Harry wearing this t-shirt. That's why I bought it. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. She's wearing it on one of the singles. Nice. And, um, so we're going to watch a Blondie performance. Which is good because now that I realize it, I go... Why didn't we have Blondie in the... There were so many we didn't have. We didn't have uh, Patti Smith. Yeah. We didn't have Chrissy Hines. Yeah, we missed a lot. I don't think we even had Joe Jett. We're going to have to do part two of it. Yeah, we really are going to have to do part two. But but for our B-sides, I wanted to show this video. Because we've watched it before and it's real... It's Heart of Glass, which is... The single version was never my favorite Blondie song. Mm -hmm. It's a little too disco-y and too pretty for me. I, of course, like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is them doing it on the Midnight Special, which, okay. if people don't know the Midnight Special, it was a show like American Bandstand or Top of the Pops, except it wasn't lip syncing, and a band would do, like, an entire mini concert for the episode. Yes. So Blondie would be on an episode, and they'd do, like, six songs, and they wouldn't lip sync it. They would perform oh, live. Wow. Yeah, I remember some of the Midnight Special. Not yeah. So I love Midnight Special clips, and this is doing hard to, them doing Heart of Glass, and I like it because it's, it's a little... A little bit faster and a mm. little bit raw. I wouldn't go so far as to say it's punk rock, but like you can hear the bass is more audible, and I just like the sound of it more. Mm-hmm. And mainly, Debbie Harry in this in this video specifically is the coolest thing you'll ever see. Yeah, remember when I showed it to you? Yeah, just the level of like. You know, there's a live audience, yeah, and she just is so above them and aloof <laughs> yes. and yeah. cool. And they're screaming for her. Yeah. Because she's like a goddess. Yeah. There's also something that happens in the middle of the video, of the performance, that's real weird. <laughs> okay. Do you remember what it, do you remember that? Uh, don't worry about they, it. We'll that one, I, I know something weird happened, I just can't remember what. But we'll just, I just love watching her in this video and the level of like, just the way she's so over yeah. it and she's so like, cool. I can give two fucks. Yeah. Oh, she's wearing the weirdest, I don't know what you call this. Oh, those outfits, yeah. It would not look good on any other person. Yeah, she knows how to wear it. she makes it work, yeah. This is a little different. It's not a, is it like a romper? I can't remember what that, tube top? Not quite. I don't know the names of clothes, but I'm so not Look at us, yeah, we're like... But she's got the headband that matches. She's matching headband, and she's just like... I do remember this, and I remember going, the drummer just smashing the yes. head. Yes. And she is standing, like, at the back of the stage next to the drum kit. Yes. Which she is, is cool. staying removed from the audience, literally and figuratively. Yeah. The, it's, uh, the guitarist yeah. is the guy that's most up front. Oh, yeah. But now, she marches straight out to the front of the stage, and the audience is like... Yeah, there's yeah. people standing up. Right. They're they're going nuts for her, and she's just kind of giving them nothing. She's just, like, throwing this, these lyrics away. Yeah. She's like, whatever. I know who I am. I mean, 
hits so many. And then hits. she walks away again, like yeah, oh, whatever. And I don't know what this little like marchy it's dance back and is. Forth. But yeah, it's adorable. Yeah, she's everything. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna go back to the. I know I shouldn't. Yeah. I'm gonna go back to the outfit because yeah, it's almost like it's part shorts too. I don't know what that is. It's yeah. a one piece, but I'm absorbed by it. Yeah, that's what it is. I love the drummer because he's just like having a ball. Yeah. She's like, she makes Taylor Swift look like shit. <laughs> like, she, there's a lot, there's a lot of Debbie Harry in Taylor Swift. Yeah. And I'm not knocking Taylor Swift, but yeah. she's not quite there. No. <laughs> she doesn't have the inborn aloofness that Debbie has. She doesn't have the cool. Yeah, she doesn't have the cool. She has the charm and the presence and the voice, but there's a different that, that cool. This is, this is the really weird part. I'm gonna back it up a bit because we talked over the beginning of it. And then she's like, oh, yes. she takes she takes twenty seconds out of the performance to deliver a message anti- against nuclear proliferation. Yes. Because she's just like, look, I've got a microphone and a yeah. stage, and they're yeah. putting me on national television. I've got some bars to kill. Mm-hmm. I'm going to talk about it, and then gets right into the dance. And then just goes right into yeah. the la 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 bridge. Yeah. Perfect timing. I want to back it up and watch it again. No, we should. This it's time, timing. watch your guy. Okay. Because the she, it's kind of a medium shot on her, but the drummer is perfectly visible over her shoulder, mm. and he's just just going to town, man. Just like yeah. you said, he is enjoying playing yeah. the drums. He's like, I'm on the midnight special, yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> He's all over. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen anyone have more fun no, than playing he is drums. Just having a ball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love, and just that little, she just starts jam, jam, jamming again. I wish that was in the studio version. I wish oh, that was man. part of the single. It actually adds something to it because it's yeah. so odd. Yeah, it's odd. Well, like, I read about it, and this was right after Three Mile Island. Oh, okay. When they when they recorded this episode, so oh. specifically, I think that's what she's, okay. why she. That's great. Because also, it's not obviously not a political song. It's right at all, and they just throw it in there. It's great. And then her like, she's she's just like the girl at the party dancing. She's, yeah, but she yeah, it just makes. She's so purely cool that no matter what she does, it yeah. works. Yeah, she doesn't have to be good at it. She's just cool. Yeah, that's what you call effortlessly cool. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, or uh, what my grandfather would call a hot ticket. <laughs> she's a real hot ticket. She's a hot ticket. Oh, yeah, hot ticket. Uh, she's such a good man. Oh, yeah. I just love the guitar riff that goes through the I, whole song. I can't understand why you, why you, Paul, prefer, uh, prefers this version. Yeah, it's yeah. a little less glossy. Yeah, yeah. Because I know that like a lot of times that people consider Heart of Glass a straight-up disco song. Right, and it's sort of their, like, they sold out song. Yeah. Which I don't believe. I don't believe but either. They were more punk 
more new wave, and it, it, it is a disco song. Yeah, yeah. But this is the cooler version. Yeah, this is definitely the cooler version. Yeah. This is the rock version. Yeah. Uh, love the drummer. Drummer's just like, I'm living life to the fullest. <laughs> he's sort of a Billy Joel looking motherfucker, yeah, too. Like, he he's is. not a cool dude, but no. he's, he's a fun dude. Yeah, he's a fun guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was awesome. And that was the, that was the last number they did on the episode. Oh, yeah, that's right. So that that show. I just love that so much. Yeah. Okay, next one's also mine. I know, which I'm I'm delighted about. Yeah, we're going back to episode six. That's the Yacht Rock episode. Yeah. Uh when we put that one together, you sent me several Toto yes, clips. Yes, I sent you two Totos. Yep. You sent me more than two. We ended up looking oh, at right. two, but you yes. sent me more than two. I was like, yes. we can't spend that much time we on Toto. We can't dedicate that much time. And I don't even think Africa was one of the ones you sent No, me. it wasn't. But, of course, we talked about Africa because that's... I don't know if it was then their most popular song, but it seems to be the one that endured, the one that people rediscovered. I think it people is their most Africa. popular song. Yeah. But yeah, that's the one that's like the quintessential. Right. But even of. now, we're not just going to watch the real video for Africa because we, no, we don't need to hear that song no. again. Everyone knows it already. We're going to watch Bev and, Bev and Bob do Africa. Now, <laughs> don't know if are. you don't know who Bev and Bob are, I will tell you, I, I will... Be very honest and say I learned from about them from my favorite podcast of all time that inspired this podcast, uh, which was called The Fogelnest Files. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a show hosted by a guy named Jake Fogelnest. Mm-hmm. And our format where we watch videos on an audio podcast and talk about them is stolen straight from The Fogelnest oh, okay. Files, which he doesn't make anymore. Yeah. Uh, and he did an episode where he featured some videos by Bev and Bob, and I've been low-key obsessed with them ever since. Huh, I've never they, heard you talk about them. They are a couple in who knows what nowhere town mm. who have a karaoke machine and like a video toaster thing, and they do karaoke versions of songs and put them on YouTube. So we're going to hear <laughs> Bev and Bob, who are, I don't know if they're a married couple, but I think they're certainly a couple. I want to believe that they are. At the very least, they are a couple of people. <laughs> they are humans. They're, that makes them a couple. I promise. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to watch their version of Toto. And we're going to watch the whole thing, <laughs> no matter what you say. <laughs> All right. If I can sit through Gigi, I can sit through this. Oh, my God. Maybe I can't. <laughs> I mean... Right away, yeah. it's got 150,000 views. Okay. That's insane. Yes, it has 100. How many? They have tens of thousands of subscribers. That's ama- That's fantastic. How many videos do you think they have on their channel? Would, if you had to guess, just... 53. More than 350 <laughs> karaoke videos that they've been doing them for seven years. Wow. The most recent one was posted like a month ago. Really? Oh, yes. that's... I love the dedication. This one's from 2013. I don't okay. know. Yeah. Do you want to describe them? Well, first of all, what's the guy's name? A Bob. Bob. Mm-hmm. Bob is... A, Bob's got the big old mustache, the big yep. old glasses... Looks kind of truckery. Yeah, he's, he's got, wearing a bandana. He's wearing the bandana. Big old shit-eating grin on his face. <laughs> uh, Bev? 
Bev's got a... She's wearing a Mickey and Minnie Mouse sweatshirt, and yeah. so that's pretty much all you need yeah, to know. Yeah, that's all you need to know. They look like they're a couple. Like, I'm like, oh, you, yeah. guys, are, you guys are on the same shelf. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and they also look very happy. Yes. This, to me, is a very happy video. They also, before they start singing, sound exactly like you think they're going to okay, sound. Okay, good. Yeah, that's what I expected. <laughs> that's great. And, and they have a, like a green screen, so behind them are just shots of Africa. Of Africa. Like footage of that's Africa. All, that's what the song's about, so why not show that? <laughs> wow. <laughs> if you were to be like... We keep watching. Yeah. If this were a sketch, yeah. it would be dumb. Like, it would be so, like, kind of... If this were a sketch on SNL, it would be such a hit. It would be one of those things they do every week. Yeah. But it's real, which makes it better. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. They're a little off. (laughs) Oh, are they? Yeah. (laughs) Are they a little off? (laughs) I'm not... This is not meant to sound mean. I mean this generally because it's part of the fun of karaoke. Mm-hmm. I hope they had tossed back a few. Had yeah, a, I think, had, I had think a on some of, of their videos they even like visibly drink yeah, their life. Because you have a couple of pops to put on Africa. Yeah. And they just have like their karaoke room in their basement. Yeah. Like, and it's just on a Saturday. It's like, hey, Bev, you want to make a couple videos? Yeah. Do it. <laughs> Bob Solo time. Yeah. This is Bob's time to shine. Me. He holds the mic like a boss. <laughs> like he just holds he's it. Cool like, yeah, cool. he holds it like he's like I know what I'm doing. That's a little more shy. I I have no reason to believe this, but I like to imagine that Bob bought Bev the karaoke machine for their anniversary. I love that's that. My back- little. Thing. That's a wonderful backstory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's great too because, again, without any sense of, I'm not saying this. Is sarcastically mm-hmm. or ironically because you, yeah, it's a couple doing something together, which I love. This, this is what Fogelness said on his podcast, which I'm fully on board with. Is like, this is great. Yeah. These are two people having fun. Yeah. I, I, I don't like it ironically. Yeah. I'm not shitting on them. They seem like a great couple having a good time. Yes, and it's great. Yes, and the other thing is. If you look at the comments on their videos, you'd think it would be shitty internet yeah. YouTube people shitting on them. Everybody just showers them with praise. Mm-hmm. Their fans love them because they know if you compliment them, they'll make more. Yeah, yeah. And they're not, yeah. They're not, yeah. No, they can't sing, but who cares? Yeah, they know they it's can't karaoke sing. karaoke yeah. and they're just having fun. You don't have to be a good singer to use karaoke. Yeah. I mean, it's genius. And they, they do all genres. They'll oh, do yeah. metal. They'll do wow. pop and disco and punk. And the best is when they tried to do Chop Suey by uh, oh, System of a Oh, my God. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> the green screen behind it is, with just the monkey yeah. going, is brilliant. <laughs> 
And their voices just blend so well. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Their voices aren't good, but they're they match. Yeah. Yeah. It just it's just fun. Yeah. They're having fun. And that's how you get 150,000 views yeah. on one video. This, this right there, this is great. I think Bev was like motioning him like, hey, Bob, you gotta sing, you gotta sing. Yeah. He, just started, he just started laughing. Oh, yeah. It's not like they're doing a second take yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, and by God. the way, it's not like this is the one video of theirs that went viral or anything. They all have hundreds of thousands of I mean, of that's a lot. People would kill for that many views. I hope they're making money off of this. That would be great. I hope that they're able to sell YouTube advertising and make a decent yeah. chunk of change off Just of it. Just found money. Yeah. I support this 100%. Yes. yes. Oh my god. And like, if, if, if anyone wants to go to their channel and find more, their channel is called, in all caps, Music BNB Style. That's the letter a great B, title. The, letter, the letter N, and the letter B. BNB, Bob and Bev. Yeah, Bev and Bob Love Style. It. So that's how I wanted to watch. Africa. I like I like B and B style a lot. <laughs> I really I'm going to try to incorporate that into my life because that's it sounds good because they cover all genres. I'm sure I will find a way <laughs> to put, to it put in. them in an, in a future we'll, we'll episode. Be able to comfortably shoehole them in. Maybe we could do a whole Bev and Bob episode. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Just the best of Bev the and best Bob. Best of B and B style. I want to know where they're from too. Yeah, it's like the whole backstory. Yeah. I really want them to be a couple. I'm going to guess they're almost positive they're a couple. Yeah, maybe they're like brother and sister who are both single and live together, but I think they're a couple. Yeah, yeah, it's just really nice. Yeah. People doing what they want. It's sweet. They're having fun and entertaining us. And I applaud them for that. Okay. Uh, Let's go to the New Edition episode. Paul, it's more than just the New Edition episode. Mm-hmm. But that's this is the B side. This too. is the B side to it officially. Right now, you know I like things smooth. Oh yeah, you do. This is like the apex of smoothness. <laughs> this song, like, if you get any more smooth, I might not like it. Okay, it is. So, this is Johnny Gill's signature song mm-hmm. called "My My My," and when we had the new edition episode, I struggled because I was like, I really want to put it in. I really want to yeah. put it in. But it was more of a new edition episode, and I wanted to put the other Johnny Gill song in, which we has older. new edition. Has new edition yeah. in, and it was two years ago, and they're older. Right. You kind of see it completes them the story. Now. Yeah, it completes the I story. Get it. I get it. So I'm but glad that's what this episode This is exactly yes, what this episode exactly is for. It. Yes. So we're going to play Johnny Gill's uh, signature song, My, My, My. I have to confess, I've, I'm. Until now, like, there's something in me that wants to resist Johnny Gill mm-hmm. because he's not an original member. Yep. And he sounds so much different from yep. him. I, I always, like, in my mind, he's the new guy, you know? And I know yeah. that, like, even Ralph got past that and they became best yeah. friends. But I'm I'm still, like, stuck in that place somewhere in my I can brain. understand that. For me, it was... But it seems to me, to like, you seem to really love Johnny Gill. I really love Johnny Gill because yeah. it was one of those things where when he came into the band, uh, you're like, What? That doesn't make sense. Yeah. And then you're like, oh, it makes all the sense in the world. Because he's the missing piece. He's the missing piece. I get that too, objectively. Yes. Yeah. But I want to be won over the rest of the way. You yeah. know what I mean? So I'm hoping this will do it. This will... This is... This, Even though it's not a new edition. Kind. And it's... Obviously, it's a it's a slow jam. This is a baby-making song. What year is this? This is 90s. Okay. So this is during New Edition's hiatus. This he's is, already yes. in the band. Yes. Uh, the, that Their big album, Any Heartbreak, broke out huge. Mm-hmm. And then they, uh, Belle Bob DeVoe came out, Ralph came out, and... And, and then this is Johnny Gill. And this was yeah. huge. 
I wonder if I'll recognize it. Okay. I doubt it, but we'll find out. It's uh Oh, it's so smooth. <laughs> I Oh yeah, this is an F gem. Oh yeah. Sure. This is baby making classic nineties. Oh, I had this on so many mixtapes. <laughs> so many mixtapes. That you made for others, yes. not yourself. Yeah. For for the two of us. Right, right, right. Yes. Okay. Do you hear the saxophone? Uh-huh. That's Kenny G. I was I could yes. tell. Yeah. I mean, say what you want about Kenny G, whether you love him yes. or you think he's the worst thing to happen yes. to jazz or music itself. He's got a tone, and you can tell Kenny G when yep. you you know him when you hear him. You know when you hear him, and that's why it encap- encapsulates encapsulates mm-hmm. the sax episode. Sure, and it's a double. You did. You really did. I'm going for. I'm going this. for. I'm, I'm going for the triple threat. Yeah. This album that it was off of was produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Mm-hmm. So we're going to the Prince episode. Oh. This was uh, this whole album was produced by executive produced by Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Yeah. This song, which is why it's so ridiculously smooth, was produced by Babyface. Oh sure. Yeah. Ooh, before he became the biggest thing in the world yes. in the mid nineties. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Babyface, and to add even more fucking smoothness, the background vocals of it are of an R&B group called After Seven. That doesn't ring after a bell, seven had these, they, they were like medium popular. They had a couple of big hits. After seven, and after seven is led by Babyface's brother. Okay, so it's just smoothness all around. This is—I'm not accusing it of being generic, but it's so that thing of its time. Yes, that I have no idea if I've heard it before. Okay. There's because gonna, it reminds me of like any Luther Vandross song from that time, or like a, a Peebo before. Bryson song. Or, Peebo was a little before, but I'm glad you <laughs> named it Peebo Bryson. Yeah, but it's like this is just kind of like VH1 in 1990. <laughs> generally, yeah. I don't even know if I've heard this before. You're, there's a big moment where you're like, and it's a Johnny Gill signature moment at the end where that's the thing he's known for. Yeah, and that's where like all the women go ah scream because it's like a big deal. <laughs> Sure. Uh, and uh, yeah, I just this this song just makes me laugh every time I hear it. Yeah. And if I'm in the car and it's on, I'll turn it up, and my kids hate it. <laughs> my daughter is like, oh, I can't stand the song, and I just crank it. I was yeah. like, I don't care. I'm taking you to school, and you're gonna hear this whole song. I just love about you, and I'm not judging you. I'm just that. In 1990, you're 19, 20 years yeah. old, and Sonic Youth is happening. Yep. You know, the, that college radio underground rock yeah, is starting oh, yeah. to bubble up. It's going to become the biggest thing. Yeah. Some of the cool, like Dinosaur Jr. is doing its thing. Yeah. Yeah, Dinosaur Jr. And you're a college dude, like, nope. Yep. This. Yep. This is what I did. That's exactly what I did. Which is. Again, no judgment, but like I hear this music and I think it's, I think it's like four thirty-something young moms. You know what I, I mean? I can see that. I can see that. Yeah, which is not a judgment call. No. It's just that's how I think of this music. Yeah, it's for women in their thirties. Yeah, which is not fair that I think that because it's, it's for it's everybody, not, it's and for I everybody. like it. Yeah, but I just like that you were at. 
that age oh, yeah. when there's that like the coolest underground indie scene is just bubbling up. Oh yeah, and you're listening. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> yeah, that's not your thing. No, it's not my thing. Yeah, I've, I've never. Uh, yeah, I've I've never tried its music to pretend to like something because it was cool. It's just not in me. Yeah. And wait, this. Okay, we're gonna be quiet for a second okay. because this is his big signature part right here. Hang on. Ooh. That's the part yeah. where at, at, in concert when you throw their panties on yep, stage. Yep. That was like the big moment. That was always the big moment. And he milks it in concert for all that it's worth. I mean, needless, I think it is needless to say, but I'm going to say it. Johnny Gill's been shirtless the entire video. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. This whole video, he's been shirtless. Uh, yes. But with a gold chain. Yeah, with a gold chain. Also kind of needless to say. Yes. Um, well, and let me also underline, and I've said this before, at the time I'm a little boy, yeah. I'm not allowed to watch MTV, yeah. but I am allowed to watch VH1, and I watched it prodigiously. Yeah. So I did consume a lot of this sort of like adult contemporary sort of thing yeah. at a young age. La, I'm, yeah, I'm adult contemporary. Who was that guy, Neil? Uh, uh, there was just, I, I can't remember his name. Was it a singer? Yeah. Just just dudes at that time who had, like, soft rock adult contemporary oh, okay. hits that I have in my brain space because I was <laughs> because watching VH1 in yes. 1990. Uh, but no, this was my college years. Yeah. Um, that was so smooth. <laughs> it was, yeah. Like, literally, yeah. you can't get that much more smooth without going, yeah. oh, boy, that's second. But this is you making a mixtape and then at oh, the yeah. end of a date being like, let's go back to my dorm room. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then you had it in your boombox and I, ready to go. I had it. Well, no. I had it on the side, and it was unlabeled. Which, <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah. Which, if you know. Did you? Did you oh, what's this? Yes. What? <laughs> yes. Yes. Because, of course, uh, as a music guy, everything is labeled and alphabetized. Right. An unlabeled cassette yeah. tape. And so I go, hey, can I? I had no idea what this is. Can I just put this in and just, can we figure we'll out what this is? We'll solve the mystery together. Yeah. And we, I would play and I'd be like, oh, uh. hey, do you want to dance? <laughs> and then I would just start and uh, some of the greatest times of my wow. life. Wow. Yeah. Oh, I had a whole thing. Yeah. Not a whole rehearsed fucking thing. Yeah. That's cool, man. Now, going into this song. The next one? Yes. When... You put the when I just saw this because I didn't know what you were going to say. I kind of knew that you were going to know what this is. Oh yeah, I'm a huge fan. But what happened was I went, shit. Did I give Paul another song? No. I thought I gave you this for a second. I was like, wait, why would I give him this? I will explain to you why this is on the list. Very excited. Uh, a couple of months ago, I'd never heard of this guy. Seriously? Yes. Don't know who he is. Don't really know much about him. Okay. Uh. And you don't know, I imagine, why he's on a what, what is he a B side of? I Which don't episode know. is he a B side of? I have no of? idea. Think about it. But, but not and not grab bag because we're not counting. Right. Them. You'd have to narrow it down. I'll give you a hint. I sort of referred to this obliquely at the top of the episode. This is the one where after we did the an episode, my uncle Mark came to me. What did you forget about this guy? No Jeffrey Osborne? For what? What episode? Where is Jeffrey Osborne from? Oh, he's from Providence? He's from Providence, Rhode Island. 
Oh, Paul, that is the best fucking news I've ever heard. <laughs> so so I, didn't, I, I didn't know. Yeah, I told Mark. I was like, I don't know who that is. He sent me the video. I was like, Kirk is going to love this. I knew you were going to know I it. I know so much about Jeffrey Osborne. <laughs> Jeffrey, this is his song, You Paul, Should Be Mine. This is my favorite fucking Jeffrey Osborne song. <laughs> Paul. Who produced this? Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. You I love that it came right after the Johnny Gill because it's a great... You, this is a freaky episode that we're doing. Yeah, this man. is freaky. Yeah. I fucking love this. I found this out song. that he was in the crew doing We Are the World. Yes. He started out, he had this uh, uh, group called uh, LTD. And he yes, had a couple of songs, I read that, Back yeah. in Love Again. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that band is from North Carolina. Okay. Oh, okay. He's from Providence. He's from Providence. But they they were a big 70s band. And then, of course, because he had the voice. Yeah. Um, So, trying to think. Do you know On the Wings of Love? Maybe if I heard it. You probably heard it. That is a real treacly song. I don't, even for me, I'm like, oh, I don't like that. That is pretty treacly. It's it's pretty treacly. Um, But this is one of my. I mean, I will say, I said a month ago I'd never heard this. I fucking love it. Yeah, this is a great song. Great song. So smooth. I'm so proud immediately that he's from my hometown. I am so proud that he's from my hometown. (laughs) This is a great song. Also surprising that Uncle Mark is like, get Jeff. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's not his type of thing typically. This is the patron saint of music, Craighead. I love this song so much. I knew that you would know it. I have the best of Jeffrey Osborne in my home. That um, does not surprise yes. me one. This is one of his later songs. So this is like '86. Yeah, he came out in the '70s, and then the early '80s he had big out. He had yeah. big songs. He um, this is why I thought he's from LA because his big thing now he still sings and tours. Every for like the past 20, 25 years, he sings the national anthem to every first Lakers home game. Oh. So I always assumed he was from L.A. because he's a huge Lakers fan. Oh, well, maybe he's just, you know, been here for the last he's few decades. He's been here for so long, yeah. but yeah, like that's his big thing. Every first uh, home game, yeah. he comes out and sings the national anthem. Yeah, I didn't recognize the song at all, but I've listened to it so many times. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's so good. I read a cute thing about this song on Wikipedia, which is always correct, so you know the story. <laughs> they they never lie. The name of the song is You Should Be Mine, yes. and then the parenthetical title is The Woo Woo Song. Yep. Do you know the story about why that's the parenthetical title? That I don't title? know. Because his, like, baby daughter, or, like, toddler daughter, loved this song, but she didn't know the name of it, she would just say, Daddy, sing the Woo Woo song. Oh, that's the greatest So when ever. he released it, he made that the parenthetical. Oh, see, another reason to love Jeffrey Osborne. Yeah. It's fucking great. I mean, this is super smooth, but it's not an F jam. It's no. just that great kind it's of... It's a great mid-tempo. Yeah. It's a little sad, because he should be mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love it. Yeah. I love it. It's a great 80s R&B. The only other... I had an... Uh, when I first moved to LA, I had an acting coach. Yeah. And we were talking about music, and he was a big Jeffrey Osborne fan. And he was a singer. Yeah. And he he told me this, and it has to do with this song. He's like, I can sing On the Wings of Love like Jeffrey Osborne, yeah. but I can't sing You Should Be Mine, which is why I'm not Jeffrey Osborne. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow, that's a good point. Yeah. It's like, he's just got this big, powerful, awesome voice. This is... Unbelievable. I remember this was a big VH1 song. Yeah, I mean, I don't remember the video. Yeah. I don't have no memories of the song. I'm yep. sure somewhere along the way I heard it in, in a drugstore somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, in a drugstore. <laughs> or Kmart. Yeah, you know. in a CVS. Yeah. Yep. 
yeah, this was like not necessarily a comeback hit for him, but there was like a little there's a, a little lapse between his big hits in like '83, '84, and then now, so maybe like a two-year hiatus, and that was like let's bring in Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. We're gonna make a big hit. <laughs> I'm so glad I was able to bring something to the show that like is my pick and relates to me. But I'm like, I got no fucking idea about this. You tell me, Kirk. I know you're gonna be able to tell me this all about. This is it. the greatest episode ever. <laughs> There's so many coincidences in this thing. Yeah. I mean, I came in tonight going, oh, this is gonna be fun because Paul's gonna have fun stuff. I'm gonna have fun stuff. I didn't know there were gonna be so many threads tied together. Yeah. Oh, uh, it was great. That's a great song. Okay, I, I almost want to think that I was considering putting this in a grab bag. No, 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 I don't need to. Just because you love it, and yeah. you're like, let's just watch. Just because I love Jeffrey Osborne. Yeah. Turns out he's from Providence. <laughs> I love that he's from Providence. <laughs> We're gonna do another B side from our hometowns episode. Yes. This one is from your hometown. Yes. You had been telling me that you wanted to include this one because it's such a huge hit, and I this is a song I hate. I forgot that you told me you. Hate I it. hate this I song. Don't, I don't like it either. I. Truly hate this song, and I <laughs> so feel bad why, that I hate it. Why did you include it then? Because it is one of the biggest hits to come out of Cleveland. Yeah, it's a guy named Mark Cohen walking in Memphis, mm-hmm. which I think eighty somewhere between eighty eight and ninety. I think uh, I think it was yeah, that sounds right. Um, it's a terrible song. It doesn't sound like anything that comes out of Cleveland. <laughs> it certainly doesn't sound like anything that comes out of Memphis. No, and it's like faux gospel. Not I mean, great. I get why it's a hit, and you hate it so much that I almost want to defend it because I don't think it's that fucking <laughs> bad. But when 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 people this is also to... very early '90s VH1. Yes. yes. When. Oof. I mean, this is just like this is what you call adult contemporary. Yes. This is the stuff like if people go, "Hey, what's the song you hate most?" This is top five. <laughs> why did you put it in the <laughs> because because. <laughs> For a couple reasons. Yeah. It's from Cleveland, obviously. Right. Um, it won a Grammy. Sure. I mean, shit always wins sure, Grammys. Sure, it's a Grammy. And he's from my hometown. Yeah. yeah. No, no, like the area. He was... he was, Like your neighborhood? My neighborhood. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, where my mom lives now in Beachwood, Ohio. Yeah. That's where he was born and raised. Okay. Which I didn't know. I was like, oh my God, really? So like he went to Beachwood High School, which is like a mile away from where my mom lives. Okay, so he's really, like, the way that John Cafferty is from yes. North Providence, Rhode Island. Yes, like he is directly from it. And then... Do you know, like, relatives of his? No, you know? no, 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 no. He's a little, I mean, he's maybe, like, ten, eight or nine, ten years old. I looked it up. He was born in 1959. Okay, it's so like 11 years which old. Which means he's 30 Yeah. in this video. He looks like he could be, like, pushing 50. Yeah. There's something about him that seems... Old. Not old, but... It's, not thirty. Yeah, it's <laughs> such a. I I really hate this song. It's, it's also there's just no. It's just like uh, just the rhythm of it, and I, oh, it just really bothers me. It's just it's kind of a wet fart. Like it's not <laughs> it's not smooth enough to be smooth. It's not, yeah, but and it, but it's not rocking enough no. to be. It's so just, just that, it just sits there. It's just that beige dentist yes. office kind of and thing. And I can't stand it. <laughs> now, now I'm going to say something that sounds awful. Yeah. Not awful, but it's an awful story. Um, so it makes me like Mark Cohen a little more, even yeah. though I fucking hate this song. I'm sure he's a great guy. He, maybe like 15 years ago, got carjacked. Oh, shit. And took a bullet to the head. 
I vaguely remember like yeah. hearing this story. Yeah, he uh, someone tried to take his car, pulled him out, popped one in his head, and like almost died. Yeah, and to me, I'm just like, whoa! To know like that's crazy. Yeah, uh, and I always thought that's just just a random story for a random song for a random guy who never really had another big hit afterwards. Yeah. So it's just a weird story that I was like, it's all, all of it converges into just weirdness. Yeah. Um, the fact that there's a Cleveland guy. I mean, we don't like, we don't like his song. We don't want to make a shot I don't want to get head. shot in the head. I feel bad. <laughs> it's great. You know, I'm glad people yeah. enjoy the song. But like, I mean, he recovered and I think he still plays around. I think he plays around with like other contemporary artists of this ilk. It's kind of, I mean, he's a not as good version of other good things. Like, yes. Like, uh, not not quite Bruce Hornsby. Yeah. Not yes. quite, uh, yeah. not quite Bob Seger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, not, you know. Like, he couldn't reach Billy Joel's He's a worse version of a lot of other things. Yes. <laughs> yes. But God bless him that he's okay. Yeah. Uh, and then part of it also is. God bless him. Yes. Yes. God bless him. And also... Like Bev and Bob. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it's good. No. But people love it, and that's... Yep. And that's great. And as in the long tradition of Clevelanders, yeah. we celebrate any Cleveland victory because they're so hard to come by. Same thing with Rhode Island. Yeah. Like, I'm ashamed I didn't know such a big star because we know our hometown here. Yeah. I mean, I did not include, for obvious reasons, Billy Gilman on the Rhode Island episode. Billy he was a, he was a like preteen country star in oh, the okay. mid nineties. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, and he was from things. like Newport. Oh, okay. So yeah, it's one of those things where you're like, well, this was a huge. This was like a number one hit. And you're yeah. like, well, it's from Cleveland. We're gonna celebrate. And I, I would say, I mean, you hate this song. I, do. I only dislike it. I. It makes me angry. It doesn't. It's like if I were in a car, it came and it came on, and I was driving, and I have control of the radio. I would change the channel. Mm-hmm. But if I were in a car and someone else was driving and they had control of the radio and they let it play, it wouldn't really bother. I me. would berate that person, <laughs> and I would talk over it and ruin the experience for them until they change it because that's that's who I am. Uh, you don't you see I've said this before how come I get that reputation but you're really that guy Uh, we have one more clip to watch I'm I'm really glad you put this in because you talked about it a lot Mm -hmm. to me and I was like you expected it in the last episode I'm glad you put the the chips one this is a b-side from our last episode the punk rock episode Mm -hmm. and we even mentioned it on the show when we watched the a uh, clip from Chips, mm-hmm. the Battle of the Bands Chips episode. We mentioned, oh, Quincy, which was another like hour long drum. Was Chips a half an hour or an hour? Chips was an hour. Yeah. Well, Quincy was another show around that time. Yeah. It that never, did a punk rock this episode. Seemed, I never watched Quincy because it was almost like a little quote unquote too old for me. Mm-hmm. It okay. started Jack Klugman, yeah, who's, who's like, awesome. He's a great, yeah, from The Odd Couple. Yeah. And he was, what was he, like a coroner? He was or? a coroner and he yeah. solved solved mysteries. Yeah. yeah. Solved mysteries. Like a murder she wrote type yeah. of thing. Um, the punk rock episode of Quincy is even more infamous than the Chips one, which is why I went with the Chips one. Oh, okay. Because doing the Quincy episode just seemed too obvious almost. Yeah. But when I watched it again after we recorded, I was like, oh, really? Because <laughs> it's so fucking ridiculous. We talked about the Chips episode and described it in like, oh, this is some middle-aged dude writer who hates punk and is like, mm-hmm. 
taking pot shots at the punk scene yeah. in the way he wrote that episode. The Quincy episode is overtly like punk rock is destroying the youth. <laughs> it's a message. Then. So this clip is about two and a half, three minutes long, and it's just a just sort of a greatest hits of the episode. Oh wow! Of people talking about punk, and it's so. This so, is actually like kind of like an iconic episode. Yeah, and I've never seen the episode, yeah. but it's infamous among among punk fans. And I, from what I can glean of the plot, is like some girl who like gets involved in punk, like gets disappears or like gets hurt or something, and like because those punkers or whatever. Because those punkers kidnapped. The beginning people? of the clip, this woman like is talking to Quincy about how punk rock is bad and it influences kids and it's evil and violent. So let's just get into yeah, it. Yeah, let's just listen. It's too funny. She comes home, and she finds her daughter burning cigarette holes in her arm, shredding... Not a thing. That's not a thing that punkers do. No. That's a thing that self-harmers do. Yeah, that's it. That is separate from listening to... Guess what? Listening to punk rock doesn't make you cut yourself. No. That's uh, an issue that has to be dealt with, and it's very serious. And blaming it on music is fucking irresponsible. That is amazing. So right away. Yeah. And the concerned look on Quincy's face. Yeah. Well, Jack Klugman is awesome. I mean, Great the, the part that he has to play in this episode is stupid, but he does his job, man. Yeah. He sells it. Closed bits. Taking pills. And locking that, a- Taking pills. That's kind of part of it. <laughs> doing speed is sort of part of punk rock. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> but not always. I'm listening to that violence-oriented punk rock music... <laughs> That violence-oriented, that's an awkward phrase. (laughs) She just said, you have to see it with your own eyes to believe it. Like, so earnest. Oriented punk rock music, you've got to see it with your own eyes to believe it. (laughs) I've seen children come off that dance floor with crushed ribs and bloody faces. Okay, that is true. Yeah. Because that's what happens when you mosh. Yes. And it's awesome. (laughs) But I also, it does make me laugh that she calls it a dance floor, which I think is funny. <laughs> yes, yeah, the dance floor. They come, they come off that dance floor. They make it sound, floor. though, that, like, people will just jump you and beat the shit out of you. No, that's, people like being in mosh pits. And, and there's yeah, a, you come away bruised, but that's part of it. Yeah, it's part of the protocol. And there's, yeah. you know, no one's sticking knives not, in you while you're moshing. Yeah, you're not breaking your arm. Yeah. But it's, it's, you're getting your aggression out. Yeah. That is part of it. They're making it seem like it's cruel. Yeah. Like soldiers fighting some kind of insane war. Oh my god. <laughs> kid act like that. Maybe the greatest persuader there is. Music. <laughs> That's so bad. Right? It's not even subtle with this message. That's oh wow. Punk rock music makes people Because it's like they said this in the fifties with rock and roll, yeah. and you would think, hey, we've kind of learned from that. Yeah, that that's not the case. Yeah, they're they're staying just this far from going. It's Satan's yes, music. exactly. Now I want to comment about this because in the Chips episode, the band performed an original song mm-hmm. and it sucked yeah this song that we just heard a bit of is also unique to this episode of quincy i think it's awesome <laughs> i mean they had to make it for the episode. next stop nowhere i want to get off that's a cool ass punk lyric. Lyric. they're presenting it like listen to this nihilism <laughs> this, so these kids what are they getting into 
That kind of rules. I like it. <laughs> kind of rules. Quincy is super not into this Coo- punk show. Yeah, he's really. I love how they're in a club and they're just. Well, like she said, you you have to see. You have it to, to believe see it. It's, it's the music that's love, doing it, dude. If I was at a punk show and Jack Klugman showed up, that would be so awesome. You'd be like buying shots. <laughs> he would take a shot. <laughs> That's called slam dance. But she has to yell it into his ear because the punk is so loud. So loud. That's called slam dancing. Ugh. I like that she's the, the she's the Sherpa for him. Yeah. Which is just a, even more insulting. This middle-aged white woman's like, this is what punk rock is. Why would these kids want to do this? <laughs> Because they're teenagers. Because that's what they do. They they're have a bunch of do it no matter what the energy. context is. Oh my god! Hey, guess what's never happened? No one's ever died. Never died. I'm dancing. Maybe someone's broken an arm, but not typically. Yeah. It's also. It looks very. It's very tame. What they're doing is. very... Very tame. It well, yes, but compared to chips, it seems way more authentic to me. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, like even though this is much worse and cheesier mm-hmm. in its in the overt message, mm-hmm. the punk of it to me is way better. Yeah. Yeah, I could just punch the dude in my face. This is like, yeah, that was like a Gigi Allen show. Yes. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, Quincy's not having it. Okay. Do you know who that is? Yes. It's, this is uh, the girl they were talking about. Yeah. She's got some like punk eyeshadow on. It's uh, from The Office. Melana Hardin. Melora. Yeah. Melora. Melora Hardin. Yeah. Uh, maybe she's 14 or 15. Oh, it's like probably one of her first roles. Mm-hmm. And she plays like the, the girl who goes punk in the episode. Get out. Disobeying parents. Look at, look at how kids who listen to punk rock talk to their parents. That's disgraceful. My daughter will not watch or listen to punk no. from now on. I love to imagine this is sort of like a semi-watered down version of the movie that's ladies and gentlemen the fabulous stains now where oh. she's like the Diane Lane character she's sort of yes. putting the makeup on and she's yep. putting on the punk accoutrement. Yep. Um, and this part's actually kind of cool. It's, I have to stop it, Kirk. It's too violent. Paul, take a step back. It also, rem- it also reminds me of another clip I almost showed where there was a TV movie at the time called The Day My Kid Turned Punk. I've heard of that. That was like an ABC after school yes. special. yes. And the, it has a scene like this where the kid, like, transforms himself into a it's, punker. It's funny, too, because she's a quote-unquote punker, but her hair is straight up. It's still all crimpy. It's all and, crimpy, yeah, yeah. delightful, like, She's not hair. spiking it. Yeah. yeah. But Melora Hardin's selling it. Yeah, yeah. Like, she's yeah, like, this is a big gig. Quincy's a big gig. She's going to work it. Oh, she's great. Yep. Who got us where we are today? It was your generation. Now you people have your finger on the button, ready to blow the whole joint to bits, and you're telling us to cool it? You know, not so many years. Are they in a talk a show? It's I don't know the context. It seems that way. Maybe like it's like a, a town hall. I don't know. Generation of young people who were as mad as you are about the world. Only they worked their tails off to change it. 
Trying to end a war they didn't believe in. Trying to correct injustice. So is he talking about the fucking hippies? He's talking about hippies. And I'm like, what? No. He was 50 then. And you're telling me he was like, yeah, the hippies are great. The hippies were, you guys are garbage. Because they liked peace and love. Here's why that's so fucked up. This is from the early 80s. Yeah. When all the hippies had turned into yuppies. Yeah. That dream was fucking dead. That's why I guarantee you a yuppie guy wrote this. Oh, yeah. Some this is yuppie. This episode is definitely written by an ex-hippie current yep. yuppie yep. who is guilt-ridden about how hard he fucking sold out. <laughs> but he's still not going to give it to the punks. No, not at all. I love that. They worked their tail off to change to things. To end a war. The, yeah, Ch- no, Jack Klugman was not... Yeah, They fucked their brains out and <laughs> fucking did LSD. And then as soon as someone was like, yeah, but do you want some money? They were like, yeah, give me the money. Yeah, I'll take it. I'll take yeah, that money. That sounds good. Fucking baby boomers. Oh. Look where we are now because of them. Because of the fucking baby boomers. Sorry to the baby boomers who listen to that. To, well, so, to, to some to of our the baby show. boomers who are awesome. Yeah. The rest are garbage. But it seems very strange to me that in this 1982 yeah. or 3 episode of Quincy, he's like, the flower children <laughs> had it right. You punk kids don't get it. You could learn from them. Yeah. Uh, whereas at the time, they the the hippies had become so corporate. Yeah. And it's like, no, the punk anti-corporate message is right the fuck on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is that they saw. But all you do is gripe. Look, <laughs> we have reason to believe that she's with Zach's real murderer, Molly Howard, and Molly is trying to push her into a codeine overdose. So please, have you had What? Uh, what? Huh? They, so someone has like kidnapped her and they're trying to push her into a codeine overdose? That's so involved. I, yeah. That's like. That's like a lot of work to do that. Yeah. I can't. Oh my god! Like of all the dangerous drugs they could have picked, yeah, codeine. codeine. I mean, codeine can be dangerous. Yes, but uh, we all know that Lil Wayne's having trouble with his purple drink because <laughs> he's a codeine <laughs> yeah. addict. Uh, but like, it does seem a little whack to yeah. be like they're giving her codeine. Yeah, they couldn't think of anything else. <laughs> uh, but now we're going to get to the best part of the clip after. Quincy just made his impassioned plea to this crowd of punkers. Please help me find this girl. And and their response to him. I'm really upset. Not only how they all look and what they say, but the level of acting that these punkers... I worry this is going to upset me even more. That's a crock, mister. You think we're all zombie killers. You're the killers. Your whole sick society. That's who's guilty, man. Yeah. Just your lousy scapegoat. Okay. My favorite thing in the world (laughs) is that guy saying, your whole sick society. And then we're just your lousy escape goat. Not scapegoat. He definitely (laughs) says escape goat. Yeah. Um, but how many takes did they do before the director's just like, I give up? I guess it's a good thing. It's like the director's son is like, I'm giving him a line. I, I got to see that guy again because he's my favorite my favorite thing. But then the guy who speaks after that guy actually sells his line. And I'm like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But you'll see. You'll see. Killers, you're the killers. Your whole sick society. That's who's guilty, man. We're just your lousy scapegoat. Besides, man, who the hell cares? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> he has that punker who says who the hell cares I love the way he delivers his yeah. line he's unlike the second guy who's yeah. like going way over the top the second guy sells the I give upness of yes. who the hell cares but he's wearing makeup that looks like he got the skeleton face paint at the yes. carnival yes 
Which is not anything that no. any punker it has It also looks like he's wearing a knockoff members only jacket. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like just slightly. And I'm like He doesn't have any he doesn't have like pins no. or spiky collared wristbands. He's just got the face paint he's and he's wearing a t shirt and a members only chops. No, I think that's also like oh, is it? That's oh, black okay. paint. I was gonna say I love we have mutton chops from And he's got this weird underbite. Yeah. But I kinda love this guy. He sold he 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 sold that line. Yeah, yeah. I like how Prince is like, I don't get it. These kids don't care. Dance they don't care. Then, so now this is clearly the end of the episode, and he's dancing with that woman to some old timey music. <laughs> Because that's good. The, the line he says right now, which is like the closing line of the episode, is unbelievable. Why would anybody want to listen to music that makes you hate? When you can listen to music that makes you love. <laughs> now, Paul. Paul. Why? Because people contain multitudes, Quincy. People, sometimes you, sometimes you love, and sometimes you're angry, and it's all valid. I feel like Quincy's last line yeah. has hit on our show. <laughs> Why listen to music that you I'm hate? music that makes you hate. I'm music that makes you love. Gigi Allen's music fills me with so much joy. <laughs> That's where I spend love. <laughs> this has been the most enlightening episode. Yeah. I mean, oh. <laughs> that... Is that it was insulting? That the, the, yeah, you don't even like punk, and you're still just like, I, Fuck I, yeah, you. I don't even like. I'm punk. gonna go home and listen to every Ramones I mean, album. That's, I'm just like, <laughs> what? It was all. It was like I, I'm wondering when they wrote this. Were they, were they like, let's shit on punk, or they're like, seriously, like we need to do something. Yeah, we need to tackle this. All that came of this is that scared parents mm-hmm. with kids who were like getting to that age who were like 12 yeah. 13 14 where they're starting to rebel mm-hmm. it just sent their terror into orbit exactly. and they were like you will not go out you will not try new things yeah. you will not get into this punk stuff because you'll wind up dead like yes. that girl on Quincy <laughs> girl on Quincy I saw the episode yeah which is exactly what was said about the hippie music that their parents said sure. to them. Yeah. yeah which is just Ah, uh, so <laughs> like typically you get that thing from those sort of like news reports where it's yeah. like well, I remember when I was uh, in high school in the nineties there were all all kinds of like Dateline NBC the rave scene yeah, yeah. what these drug these kids are doing ecstasy and what's yeah. happening at these raves but it's presented as a news show this is a, the storytelling format yes. of an hour long drama Ugh. but it has the subtlety of that. yes like, exactly it's 10 o'clock and where are your children which makes it even worse yeah and yeah. it's so insulting oh uh, so funny <laughs> so funny yeah <laughs> but um, that was our last clip so that does it for this episode of Music Raygun thank you for listening uh, you can find us and follow us on Facebook and Twitter where we're at Music Raygun. We're also on Instagram as at Music Raygun Podcast, all one word. And you can always send us an email at musicraygun at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, please. We've never heard from you. <laughs> please email we know you're us. We're lonely. <laughs> we need something. Kirk, before we sign off, would you indulge me with a personal message I'd like to say to you? anyone listening and um, you 
is there something I would like to say? No, Wait. I have something I oh, want to please. say. Oh, please. No, you want to indulge. I would like you to indulge. Kirk, the use of nuclear power is merely a symptom of our troubled times. It is time for all Americans to take control of their own lives and stop being pushed around and poisoned. The race for nuclear superiority can only end with the destruction of civilization. <laughs> and punk, punk kills. I'm Paul Champanelli. I'm Kirk Pinchon. Until next time, bye. bye.